Welcome to the Advisor Insights Series. My name is Louise Brockman. I'm the founder and CEO of the Advisory Board Centre, and I'm here with certified chair and valued member of the Advisory Board Centre community, Sonia Byers. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you, Louise. It's an absolute pleasure to be here to speak with you. Yeah. So, Sonia, we're here to discuss, you know, your insights into the advisory board sector. To start with, you're sitting both advisory boards and governance boards. You want to share a bit about your background? Yeah, thank you. So I work with and for boards in driving leadership from the boardroom. And through the benefit of having, like you say, directorships, I'm able to look at things a little bit differently, recognising that there are ways that decisions are made effectively and often group dynamics impact that. Uh, advisory boards take a different role in impact to performance for an enterprise and understanding those distinctions between advisory and governance boards is really important when you're making your contributions as a director. So having sat on both tables, as you say, I can see where dynamics even around advisory boards can influence and impact a business's success, just like governance performance boards do. Mm. So why do you, uh, I guess, do both, both advisory boards and governance boards, and, and where do you see the, um, the, the difference in their role and function? Yeah, so I, I landed my first advisory board without really recognising it was an advisory board and then having participated in your certified chair course, started to take a different approach to recognising why there's only so much you can do to influence at an advisory board. But I think that actually then empowers how you deliver effectiveness to an enterprise because you recognise that there are some things that you see would work and do really well for that enterprise. However, you can't make the final decision. So I like the fact that influence looks different at both boardroom tables. And so taking that influence skill from the advisory board has really impacted and driven my success at a governance performance board, because you've got to recognise you're only one of a team. And even again, in a decision-making context on a governance board, you can't get everything that you want. So influence is the key that I see across both of those boardroom tables. Mm -hmm. You use it differently and yet you can seek to achieve outcomes and maybe not achieve those. And you have to then look at what could change or ought you change yourself to drive performance better into the future. Mm, interesting. And, and Sonia, what's the, from, from your viewpoint, What's the importance of best practice with advisory boards when it's not regulated or legislated and there's, there's been such a growth in the sector as well in the last two years? I've just worked with a business that's had exponential growth and they've had an advisory board for some time where their advisors have been very insightful. They've understood the market. They've been previous leaders who may have come out as, you know, who are now retired so they can make good introductions and after three years of having this group together, who've driven a lot of impact, they've now looked at it and said, we need it a little bit more. So what does best practice look like for us? So now they've actually wrapped themselves in the structure of having a terms of reference, recognising how many times they should meet, um, identifying that the close relationships they've got with the business owners, although impactful and very helpful, is probably inhibiting that advisory board's performance now because they've become too close. So there's now a reliance element. So what they've said is we need to put some practices and frameworks around 
how we work as an advisory board, recognising we might still have other relationships outside that advisory board space. So they've seen the benefit of what best practice looks like to leverage the advisory board and still remain connected in other ways to those three individuals who've helped drive their business success. It's interesting that whole uh, refresh of an advisory board. For, it's not losing face. It's it's not that you're not valued. It's just that the organisation is yeah. different. Place. And, and and we had a conversation about did those advisory board members need to change, mm. or was the the group and the skill and the wisdom still okay? And they all agreed together, including the business owners, separately in interviews with me, that they didn't want to lose that capacity or wisdom but they needed more rigour because now they want a best practice to actually push them to the next level. Mm -hmm. So I think there comes a moment and a point in time where that best practice can take an advisory board to the next level mm -hmm. to, to work better and more effectively with the business. That's, uh, that's great. So, Sonia, from your perspective, uh, what did the Certified Chair Executive Program sort of do for you in your profession? I think it's added significant value in language sharing. So as you know, Louise, one of my favourite sayings from your course is we road test at an advisory board. We make decisions at a governance performance board. And before when I consulted to and worked with each of those types of structures, there was always a bit of a tension where you had an advisory board member saying, but I can see that that is the decision they take. So now using that road test language is insightful to those who may not have participated in formal learning like you offer to say, well, this is the distinction. And so it's given me the benefit of language and also extra tools to support the clients that I work with. Mm, that's great. So Sonia, any um, tips, you got any top tips for, for business owners and, and advisors, you know, wanting to move into the best practice sort of space? Yes, I think really look at what it is you're looking for from your advisory board. We often see that the first members appointed are known to a business and they might be consulting to a business. So the best practice framework that we've heard from the advisory board centre is understanding conflicts and managing them appropriately. And, and in fact, the message that you know, we say is you shouldn't have multiple relationships to ensure that you're getting your best from your advisory board. That's not necessarily the case of what I see in practice. You often see an advisory board member is also consulting to or has another relationship to the business. So I, I would suggest looking at those relationships closely and objectively and saying, could we, could we get something different from this person if they were only looking at our business through one lens? In which case, maybe we should formalise that and then let some, that other relationship go. So my advice is, if it's working, then how does it work effectively? If it's not, what do we do to change that? And there's opportunity to do that through, as you and I know, formal terms of reference, engaging uh, with those advisors and the chair to say, these are our expectations of you as a business. What can you do for us? And sometimes those conversations haven't happened because the business owner becomes very reliant on those individuals. Mm, yeah, really understanding those, the, the foundations and the framework of what you're building before you actually build it out. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and if you haven't done that first, 
it's not too late to start that now. You can do that even though you might have that advisory board in place. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. Sonia, thank you so much for being part of this community and also for sharing the knowledge and, and look forward to seeing you continuing doing the great work that you do at the boardroom table. Thanks, Louise. Very kind to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now.